The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Our world is always so rush, rush. We can never get any personal time to ourselves, let alone those that we love. Welcome to Might Radio with host Gabriella Von Ray. Our mission, to reintroduce kindness and compassion to our busy lives. Remember when life was so much simpler? Gabriella and her guests today will pick up the ball of human kindness and by doing so, empower you to make changes in your own life. And now, here is Gabriella Von Ray. Good morning, everyone, and thanks for tuning in to the Mind Radio Show. Today's theme is something that I really love, and that's Thanksgiving, the holidays. Thanksgiving is a time when kindness is totally in abundance. And I have two amazing guests for you today that know much more about this holiday than I do. The most reverend doctor, um, Bruce LeBlanc, and Lisa Berry Ford. Lisa Berry Ford is 12th generation American, and I thought she would be amazing to tell you more about the real traditions of Thanksgiving. And Bruce LeBlanc will give his views on Thanksgiving from not only uh, different perspectives, but the perspective of faith. So, Bruce and Lisa, welcome. Welcome. It's great to be here with you today. And hi, Lisa. Hi, how are you? Good. So the definition of Thanksgiving is an expression of gratitude, especially to God. I'm reading this literally. And he offers prayers for Thanksgiving for his safe arrival. And it also says here in my definition that it's a U.S. holiday held on the fourth Thursday in November for people that don't know, which I doubt, and commemorating a harvest festival celebrated by the pilgrims in 1621. That's a long time ago, and the tradition is really strong. Bruce, what is your take on this gratitude? Um, I'm a sociologist and psychologist as well as being an independent Catholic bishop, and when I look at that as far as it kind of ties into our history as a country, uh, with the Im- immigrants coming in looking at their ability to express their faith and uh, many of them being uh, a people of faith. Each of the colonies had their uh, religious denominations that were central to that. So God has always been a part of our historical perspectives. Mm-hmm. Um, therefore, they brought with them, and I did a little bit of background. I'm not a historian from uh, one of the uh, pilgrim sites as far as looking at the plantation project. Historically, as far as saying, it was originally tied into that God-centered concept of looking at giving thanks for what we do have from a foundation of looking at being a people of faith and generally in this country as its origins, the Christian faith. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And do but, you but feel- I, can, I, can I add one thing? Uh, yeah. Lisa, and you might want to add to this, and I'm not sure where your generations come from because I understand the 12th generation. When you look at it as far as I also trace it to the Native American people's rituals as well as far as giving thanks for the Creator and the harvest that they've had, which would allow them to have the sustenance. So from both cultures, both perspectives, we can see that recognition of the sacred. What do you think about that, Lisa? Well, it's absolutely true. And I think one of the greatest blessings that, and, you know, on both sides of my family, it is, you know, when genealogy became the big thing, everybody started, you know, digging into their roots. And I grew up knowing where my family came from when they got here, much because of the oral traditions and that type of thing. And uh, they very much uh, did come in. I mean, they are amongst the very first settlers that came to this country from England. And it is the faith aspect has been passed down from generation to generation. And even as it evolves, because every generation it does, and, I mean, I laugh because my father, who um, 
was an avid sports fan. So growing up, yes, it was all about faith, and it was all about gratitude, and it was all about family. But it was all about football. Mm-hmm. And True. I la- you know, and then my husband, who when we got married, um, and Thanksgiving is very, very special to my husband and I because we met on Thanksgiving. And it was the first Thanksgiving that I couldn't get home. And I had to work the day after, and the flights, you know, just didn't work out. And I thought, oh, my gosh, my whole life, Thanksgiving was my mom and dad's favorite holiday, favorite holiday. So we always had the big family gatherings at our house, and um, and I grew up with my mother putting together this, and my parents loved to cook, so it was this great, great big meal, family, and all the very Norman Rockwellish kind of thing. And my mom could do it and lay it out in between football games. And I didn't really appreciate that until after I got married and had kids and that tradition was passed on to me when my mom said pretty much, you know what, I'm tired of doing all the cooking. And I think when you look back to our faith, it is those traditions that get passed. And it's the ones that get added, but the one that stays constant, no matter, even for people who don't go to church, and even for people who don't profess to really have any kind of faith, Thanksgiving rolls around, and all of a sudden, everyone is thankful for the blessing. And I think that is probably one of the greatest traditions as a country that we give to each other. It's, it's sad that we don't do it more than once a year. But actually, can I, can I, I agree. Gabrielle, can I add as far as a comment to Lisa's comment about her family? Yeah. And I'm going to look at it a little bit from maybe it's the academic, the sociological perspective, because she mentioned people of non-faith um, mm-hmm. that are not active are as embracing or embrace this tradition as much as anything else. And it really goes back, I think, to two things, the importance of family. Uh, when I look as far as that is a um, psychological and social grounding point for most of us when we look at that. So those people come in, it's a time when we've said we're going to set aside for most of us a day. Um, fortunately, our government allows us to do that as well as far as that allows some ease in doing that for most of us to spend time with uh, the important people in our lives, and it allows us to travel. So there's that family dimension of it as well that we're grounded in that we all kind of like seek and want to hold on to, uh, which provides that, I think, impetus for that beginning of kindness that you were talking about at the beginning of the show as far as looking at. We begin to look at outside of ourselves into the others and expressing the feelings that we have for them. I agree totally. I, I think the family is the grounding point for most, and Without family, you wouldn't celebrate it the same way, right? Lisa, I don't I, think yeah. so. No, I don't either. I mean, I, I look like, you know, I look within my own family and, you know, believers, non-believers, uh, every, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what the walk is faith-wise in the family. Mm-hmm. It is the, 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 it is the tug of, who you are, and somehow that is tied to your family, whether it is dysfunctional, functional, somewhere in the middle. There, it is very much an emotional where it resonates. Mm-hmm. And um, and I think if you're blessed to have a family that you're close to and that you love, it's also the memories. And as you know, people die. It is the um, honoring of those who have passed that becomes part of the tradition as well. Yeah, I would agree. But how, Bruce, how come that you just said on the sociological point, how come that that kindness is in abundance? Is that truly, am I understanding that that's only due to the family aspect? Well, when I I look at, um, how do I look at this as far as, if I look at our country as being still very um, religious, which it is, mm-hmm. it still tends to be very um, Judeo-Christian in its history and origins as far as the most dominant religions in the country. Mm-hmm. Part of that faith system is a recognition of giving and caring for others. 
So ideally that should happen historically throughout every day, every week, every month, and every year, and it really should. But what, in tying it into the word that I'm hearing, the tradition, I also like to add the uh, term rituals, and okay. that's what I think human beings like no matter where they come from. Um, each culture, each society, each religion almost has a um, historicity of rituals throughout a year that take us through the cycle of the year and potentially a cycle of life. So fortunately in our country, historically, we've been allowed to embrace this holiday called Thanksgiving, tracing it back to the Native Americans and the pilgrims and the immigrants, and then our religious leaders promoting that, and then our government promoting that. So, But when you look at this, it's a ritual of tying things, I think, together. And when I talk about it from a religious perspective, and that's why sometimes I go, why do churches do what they do? I call them, they give us these heightened experiences of the sacred. Um, so how do they do that? They do that through ritual and tradition. And mm -hmm. this is one that is set aside. And when I looked at, from a historical perspective, the Calvinists who were there, it's an interesting concept. They always celebrated Sunday as a sacred day, so you wouldn't do things on that day. When I went to the, his, the historical perspective, it actually said they would choose their feast days okay, or special days to be other days of the week, which would allow them to truly embrace and celebrate for a different purpose. So this Thursday day is not by um, – it's not inconsequential. It's kind of like part of the historical way. We'll take something other than a Sunday and make it very special. But I think it's a lot of our history as far as where we're giving people, and that's part of what we're called to do as a people of faith. And then I see that being extended to people who aren't people of faith, that they just understand that human kindness and compassion through I really see the abundances that we have in this country. Amazing. Yeah, I agree totally. Lisa, do you want to add something to oh. that? You know what? I'm just listening, and I think I'm shaking my head. You know, I'm sitting here <laughs> drinking my coffee, shaking my head, thinking, "Oh wow, nobody can see me shake my head in agreement." <laughs> but everything you said, I completely agree. It is when you talk about rituals. Sometimes when you grow up and you're drugged to church or you're drugged to your grandparents, and you'd rather, you know, go to the river or whatever, you don't think about the rituals and the comfort and the peace and also the security that you get from those until you get a little older. And then you look back on them and you realize, like for me, that clarity came when I had my own children. And I thought, mm -hmm. I want them to experience the same kind of sense of belonging that no matter where your life takes you, no matter the good, the bad, the ugly, the ups and the downs, yes, you have your faith. And kind of what you said on Sunday, I mean, I taught Sunday school and all these different things, you think of and you very much want to live the faith. You want your walk with Christ to, to be your calling card as to who you are as a person. Mm -hmm. But it is the ritual. It is the things you pass on to your family that you want them to understand almost the sacredness of it and that it is in addition to. Yeah, I and agree I, totally. And, and I completely, of course, I'm not saying it as eloquently or anything, but I completely agree with what you're saying. You're, you're saying everything very eloquently. I just, <laughs> it's, it's my academic mind. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay, guys, Bruce and Lisa, we're going to go and have a break, and we'll be right back. Okay. Okay. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel, voiceamericaempowerment.com. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. 
We all want peace. We all desire a more meaningful life. We work hard to achieve these things, but at what avail? The key is authentic living with Andrea Matthews. Andrea will interview some of the great spiritual experts of today and will provide wisdom to help you raise your consciousness to the level of your own I am. Your authenticity can give you miraculous gifts, but you have to know how to get there. Listen for Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Heard live every Wednesday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the 7th Wave Network. You are tuned in to Might Radio. Do you have a question or comment for our show? Perhaps you wish to share your own stories of human kindness. Please send an email to Gabriella Von Ray at gmail.com. That's G-A-B-R-I-E-L-L-A-V-A-N-R-I-J at gmail.com. Now, back to Might Radio with Gabriella Von Ray. Hi, everyone, and thanks for listening. If you're just tuning in, then don't forget this topic today is about Thanksgiving, a time when kindness is in abundance. Feel free to call in at the number one 888 346 9141 and to ask questions to our two guests, Lisa and Bruce. So we talked a little bit about the traditions and the rituals, both from a standpoint from the family and a religious standpoint. Let's talk a little bit. I'm the foreigner here of you two. <laughs> and, <laughs> and with my Dutch background and even a Calvinistic background, um, I, by the way, I agreed on your point, Bruce, about Sunday was always the celebration. There was nothing ever outside of the Sunday. So I mm-hmm. love your Thanksgiving. I embraced it from the first day I set foot in America. And even though I did not fully comprehend the tradition or the, 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 the whole part of, of giving thanks and gratitude, I just took it on because it felt so good. And all of you were so, the Americans get so excited about the turkey and everything that I just embraced the entire holiday. And like I said to you guys during the break, I don't have an extended family, so... When I was in America alone, I just invited friends who were alone too, and I always made it a big gathering with sports, Lisa, because I saw all the men on TV. And I first thought, oh, how unpolite, they're turning the TV on. But I realized, I learned instantly that that was part of the tradition too. And I love that because I got a chance with the women to talk and to cook and to, you know, do other things. And so why... Many immigrants are in your country. Why is it, and I want both your perspective, that immigrants love this, even if they don't understand totally, like myself, what the celebration is about. They embrace it. They'll go out and find every nook and cranny that they need to do to have a real Thanksgiving in their home, too. Lisa, do you want to go first? You know what? I was just thinking of the question and thinking about so many of my friends that, you know, they're either first-generation Americans or they themselves have immigrated. And I think when you think about human nature, we all yearn to belong. And when you think about people who come to this country and they leave everything that is familiar with the idea that something better awaits them. Thanksgiving is one of those holidays. Well, actually, most of our holidays are set up like this, but it is the idea that you belong to something larger than yourself. And I think that tends to draw people together. Uh, I know when I'm, as I said, Thanksgiving for myself, when I met my husband, it was the very first time I couldn't get home in my entire life. I mean, I was always this little homing pigeon when it came to Thanksgiving. And uh, and I can remember almost being distraught, thinking, I am going to be one of those people that, that has nowhere to go. And, uh, and one of the people I worked with, she just, you know, she was like, you can't spend Thanksgiving by yourself. It was almost mm-hmm. sacrilegious at the idea that uh, someone would be by themselves. So 
like you, Gabrielle. She gathered up everybody who, you know, didn't have some place to go, couldn't get home, didn't have extended family, you know, for whatever the reasons. And um, and that was 24 years ago, and that's when I met my husband. And I think, so for me, when I think about opportunities to get outside my comfort zone, because if someone would have told me a year prior that I would be spending Thanksgiving anywhere other than with my family, my parents, my traditions, my everything, I would have thought, not in this lifetime. And yet, had I been closed off to the idea of trying something new and different, my life would have turned out much, much differently. But I think it's that sense we want to connect, we want to belong, and we want to feel that we're loved, even if it's just momentarily. <laughs> to uh, piggyback on that, as far as it is part of the human nature, looking at it as far as I believe we're a social people, um, we want to be around, or most people want to be around other people. I'm going to make a mm-hmm. comment about that in a second. Um, but when I look at that as the founding institution for most of us, we're born into a family. The family raises us, socializes us, cares for us, nurtures us, and loves us for most individuals. Yeah. So when I look at that as far as that's the grounding institution that I think a lot of immigrants come from. They, their, their families are just as important as families in this country when we look at it. That's their grounding source for them. Then when they immigrate into this country, um, I call it the conversion process. It's really effective when most people join a new religion. They kind of over-accentuate all the characteristics that are part of the culture because the people who are raised in the faith kind of take it for granted. But there's really something that people who change their experience pay attention to. And I think that happens when people immigrate into this country. It's like, here are my past rituals, and now I'm paying attention to all the things I'm being exposed to, and they embrace them as part of this. This is what is the new culture that I want to become a part of. Then I'm going to embrace them with a fullness and a robustness. I think that's part of the reason why they do that as well. No, I, I, I totally agree because if you go to anyone's home, I shouldn't say anyone, this is a generalized statement. I always notice just what you said. I don't like the color orange, so I never use it. Not in the harvest themes. I'm not a big fan of pumpkins. You know, that's just really not what I do. But I go to my friends whose parents, as I said, either immigrated or their first generation. And, oh, goodness gracious, does the pumpkin and harvest theme and, uh, I mean, people OD on it. (laughs) And I think (laughs) it doesn't matter if it matches their decor. It doesn't matter. I mean, you walk in and it just looks like somebody went to Home Depot and splashed orange, brown, the greens, you know, the whole thing. And it's like, wow, okay. And then when they come to our house, they look around and they're like, Lisa, where's your Thanksgiving spirit? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think, um, okay, it's in my heart. And I might have, you know, the more subdued colors, but there's no bright orange in the turkey head and, you know, the feathers, all these kinds of things. And they're like, but that's Thanksgiving. And just what you said, they have embraced, and I, and I laugh because I think, um, yeah, my mom might have had that stuff out when my brother and I were little because we made it at school. Mm-hmm. But, and you know, and I, it, actually, it's, it's very sweet because they so want people to see that they get it. Mm-hmm. And then they look at me and they think, you don't have any Thanksgiving spirit because you don't have pumpkins on your porch and you don't have, you know, because the stuffed I, turkey I think, on your refrigerator or whatever. Because I think, Lisa, for us foreigners, that pumpkin, even though I had never seen a pumpkin in my life either, was, um, and I learned how to carve it, believe it or not, for my kid. Um, <laughs> I failed twice. I kept coming back for new pumpkins. <laughs> the guy laughed at me. Anyway, um, we we seem to associate that, like you said, the belonging part, it's fitting in. And 
that pumpkin somehow fits into the theme, uh, yeah. just like your turkey does. And I celebrated it last year in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. And I tell you, I bought, not at Home Depot, but I bought in this little gifty store, um, I bought orange and brown maple leaves. <laughs> and I hate the color orange. And I'm Dutch. I should love it. <laughs> and... See, and it's it's too orange for me and for my eyes. <laughs> but I did it because the maple is what honors Canadians. And so I might not have had a pumpkin last year because I decided not to carve anymore. Um, one stress less. But, you know, I took that part because I know that Canadians feel that the maple, it's like their heart opened up when they saw the maple. Uh, maple on on the table here and there scattered they were so happy you know they were so happy that a non-canadian had thought of that and so i agree totally with you that it's those ornaments even though you're not you know you're not particularly great in in putting them for a foreigner and then when the canadian comes to the foreign house and sees it says yes she did it she did it right you know so well, and that's, that's it. I mean, like I was telling one of my friends, we're having dinner tomorrow, and uh, they were over at the house, and you know, they looked around and they're like, "Where are your Thanksgiving decorations?" And I said, "Like, oh my gosh, I should like hang a little sign on my front porch before people walk in." You know, the holiday <laughs> that I decorate for is Christmas. That's yeah. my holiday, and I said, "The day after Thanksgiving." is when we decorate for Christmas. That's our family tradition. And uh, I said, I promise you, until New Year's, you will see the Barry household decked out for Christmas. And she would, and, and she just kind of looked at me and went, hmm, no, how, no Thanksgiving, right? <laughs> no. um, what, what, again, when I, uh, the way I look at it is first, symbols are important to people as mm-hmm. far as and what means for something. So, again, it's that embracing of why are you not embracing the symbols but what we see and understand this holiday is all about. And I think that's kind of like that new experience or that ongoing experience versus, as you talked about, Lisa, earlier, creating new traditions. Right. Uh, and that sometimes is a challenge in certain families when um, the adult children wish to create their new adult traditions oh. while their parents are still alive. We mm-hmm. often get into how do we negotiate these new symbols, new traditions, new rituals that kind of allow adults to be really adults relative to how they embrace the holidays. And sometimes that happens around Thanksgiving um, as families negotiate those. You are not kidding. <laughs> that is, I, that, that's God's truth right there. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 we negotiate too when you have multicultural marriages. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, my my husband didn't believe at all in Thanksgiving. He thought it was just silly. And then I did it all and I put it all together and suddenly the objects became he he understood. He understood and actually smiled and carved that turkey as if he had done it all his life. I think you you have to go against a little bit of of pushing and negotiation, like Bruce says. Um, but I stood my ground and I said, "We're here in America, and I would like to celebrate this holiday with all my heart." And and we did it, you know. So I think I think the belonging part is really interesting, Lisa, that you said because I never thought of Thanksgiving as a belonging part, but it is, I suppose. Although I keep saying, as you know, it's one of my biggest slogans that it's okay not to belong. So in your case, it's okay not to have the ornaments. Oh, well, kind of piggybacking to what Bruce said about setting new traditions. Mm-hmm. One, my parents are very, very very um, traditional. And my dad, because Thanksgiving was his favorite holiday, it was, I mean, it wasn't even, you didn't even think about changing it or not coming home short of work. That, you know, my father, that middle class work ethic always, you could say you had to work and my father was okay with anything. But if you said 
you wanted to do something different to make your own tradition, that would have been World War III. And when my husband and I got married, one of the things we thought that would be kind of fun after, you know, dinner and dessert and everything would go to a movie. So we gently tossed that out one Thanksgiving, and you would have thought that we had just committed a crime. <laughs> and, uh, you know, am I, and like, because it wasn't how my parents did it. So therefore, the grant, nobody else was doing it. And I will say, it was easier to go along to get along. And it wasn't until my dad died, which was nine years ago. And uh, my dad died November 6th. So the first Thanksgiving was horrendous for us. And uh, so here's this date my husband and I met on that's very, very uh, near and dear to our hearts. It's kind of like our second anniversary kind of thing. And yet it's the first Thanksgiving without my dad, who was such a part of our lives. And, um, and my husband who is this very sensitive, very wonderful, very quiet man. And he took a deep breath, kind of like sticking your toe in the water to see how cold it is. And he said, what does everyone think about going to the movies after dinner? And our kids were like, that's great. My mom said, you know what? I think it's time for a new tradition. Mm. And so the whole family, who probably 10 years prior, you know, was like, or five years or whatever it was, like, are you kidding me? So now for nine years, after dinner, after dessert, we go see a movie in the evening. So the younger kids in the family that have grown up with this tradition, they can't even conceive that it's not been that way because in their life, that's what Aunt Lisa and Uncle Bob do. Everybody drops the kids over and we all go to the movies. And uh, and now as they've, you know, just about everyone has grown, I get emails starting the week of Thanksgiving or the week before. Hey, Aunt Lisa, where, what movie are you and Uncle Bob going to see? Because they meet us there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and it's funny because you think to them, this is their family tradition. And I think, oh, if you knew what it was like the first time Uncle Bob and I <laughs> mentioned it to Grandpa, I mean, you would have thought. We said something horrible. Um, so you gonna, are so right about adult traditions. Of <laughs> I'm going to add two. I'm going to add two dimensions. And although we don't in our society, I think as some other cultures with immigrants coming in, um, honor our elders as much. This might be with some of our traditions or rituals like Thanksgiving or Christmas and the way our parents have done it. And so I think one of our small ways of kind of like honoring our elders, as far as what they've brought in, how they've raised us. Yes. What I would like to challenge your listeners to is, if possible, as far as giving thanks for the fact that people are still willing to come together out of their busy lives uh, with the complexities. Now, t- sometimes you have uh, multi-blended families. I have some students at the college who have, you know, a parent, a divorced parent, another divorced parent. So there are four sets of families they must interact with. And my hope is that people will truly just give thanks for the time and energy that people are spending with them. Because it does take time out of people's lives to meet all of these um, perceptual family desires uh, mm-hmm. in that hope. So that I hopefully, and then people can talk about changing traditions. Um, so it becomes, a, I think, a, a positive aspect of the traditions as well, recognizing if you have an honest conversation, traditions do modify and change slightly, I think, to meet the needs uh, of everyone. But hopefully at the core of that is, or at the base of that is, we try to continue to celebrate the core of what the holiday is about, which I see is family, kindness, uh, and I think kindness to others, too. And yeah. sharing. I, I'd mm-hmm. love to add the word sharing. I, I feel, especially when you're the outsider being invited within the family, it's the possibility to be able to look in and to see how a family celebrates. Mm-hmm. And I, I also will say from our point, not just because my father has passed on, but my son died four years ago. Ooh. So our Thanksgivings are also about remembering mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. bringing in 
those that have gone. So they, so you do feel that the empty seats at your table, if just for a moment, are full again. Mm-hmm. I agree totally. That's extremely important. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We are going into break for just a few moments, and we'll be right back. us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Family caregivers face some tough challenges every day in caring for a partner, parent, child, sibling, friend, neighbor, or even coworker. You are there to provide the care that these people need after everyone else has gone home. Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley will provide you with a social networking experience. You'll hear from experts and others who are experiencing the same things. And together, you will promote a common cause. Tune in to Family Caregivers Unite twice every week, Tuesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Variety and on the Voice America Empowerment Channel every Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific. Are you a business innovator or are you just sitting on the sidelines? Tune in every week for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Host Bonnie D. Graham talks to a cross-section of the movers and shakers who are leading by example. They will share best practices and innovative ideas to keep you thinking and moving along with the best. Join us for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP, Wednesday mornings at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. This is the home of the top life coaches, entrepreneurs, and success drivers. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. You are tuned in to Might Radio. Do you have a question or comment for our show? Perhaps you wish to share your own stories of human kindness. Please send an email to Gabriella Von Ray at gmail.com. That's G-A-B-R-I-E-L-L-A. V-A-N-R-I-J at gmail.com. Now, back to Might Radio with Gabriella Von Ray. Thank you for tuning in. And the topic is Thanksgiving, a time when kindness is in abundance. And our two guests, Lisa and Bruce, are with us. And Bruce, I have a question for you. Yes, Gabriella. Um, for, for both American and the immigrants that live here, we might not always understand the, the total history and why it became a legal holiday in 19, in 1777, sorry, in October. Could you explain a little bit how that came about? Well, why? again, I'm not a historian, so I had to go to the Pilgrim Plantation uh, website to get a little bit more of the history. And you're looking at the Continental Congress proclaimed it as the first national Thanksgiving. So it made it part of our, in 1777, made it part of our culture. Uh, then when we look at it off-break, we talked about, well, why might that occur and why might presidents get involved? Oftentimes we look for presidents and sometimes for us, our national government, although we have a very strong state government system, to look at providing some level of guidance or insight into what's culturally important. And we've seen other holidays evolve as well, like Martin Luther King's Day and President's Day. So you're looking at past presidents would simply declare um, Thanksgiving as a time to reflect as a country and separate that out as far as we like to separate out things to give them more significance. I call it that symbolic significance to say, please pay attention to this. Um, and then when we looked at it, there was a Sarah Hale who really was an advocate for trying to get the government and President Lincoln to establish that as a holiday. And then you're looking at, I believe it was President Lincoln who established it officially and then eventually Congress gave recognition to it, which therefore allowed um, us to officially pause by saying it's a national holiday when we have national holidays. Our aspects of commerce change in this society as far as so it's a way of saying businesses, would you please stop doing what you're doing to allow us to pause and reflect on whatever the significance of the day is. In this particular case, it's family. I'm going to make one side comment as far as giving thanks. We've now seen commerce creep back into that day. As far as looking at we looked for that Black Friday, and that's the biggest you know, shopping day in America where we give thanks for sales. But again, it's starting to creep into the family day, and there's been a couple of national controversies this year regarding stores opening mm-hmm. earlier on Thanksgiving Day. And some of the employees and people are saying, can we not just keep a family day 
for us to say that, can we just stop for a day? Because we only really stop for a couple of days throughout the year. And this is the one where we stop from truly a family tradition grounding perspective. And please, can we keep that kind of as a, a, a sacred day for us from a civilly sacred perspective and for those people of faith from a religious perspective? I'm not sure if that answered your question. It it really did, and I want to just comment on Black Friday. Uh, as I had a couple of years ago, my daughter was a teenager, and she said, she literally said, it's Black Friday, Mom, I'm out of here. And I said, it's Thanksgiving. I thought we were together, family, you know, and she, and I had no idea what Black Friday was. So, so I literally had to find out, like you just said, that shopping creeped into family time. and. Mm-hmm. I was quite disappointed at that, but I suppose that's part of the tradition too. What's your comment on that, Lisa, because you have children? I, you know what, when I think about Black Friday in the stores that are now opening on Thanksgiving, yeah, I think um, my dad retired from the grocery business, and my first job all through college and everything was retail. And I always worked the day after Thanksgiving and I hated it absolutely hated it because if you work retail around the holidays you see how quickly human nature goes from being what we're talking about gratitude Mm -hmm. kindness empathy compassion I say to anyone hit them all on Black Friday and you will see Nothing short of people just being downright nasty and hateful all over to save a dollar. And it, it breaks my heart. I mean, I do not, well, I don't like to shop anymore, but you could not pay me. When I was done with school and got a job where I did not work retail anymore, you could not pay me enough money to hit the mall. I don't, not, not for anything. Yeah. And I see people who trample each other. You see it on the news. I hear my friends who get up at these crazy hours and off they go. And, you know, they will for, they call and they're like, Lee, you need to get up here. And I think, are you kidding me? And, and for us, granted, it's silly, but you know, that's when the day after Thanksgiving is the day that all joking aside, we drag out all of our stuff out of the attic and spend the day decorating the house inside outside the lights you know the whole i mean the whole thing and so you, you live on the street that the entire everyone starts this is your t- a tradition in our neighborhood as well and uh we've lived here forever and i think um it's sad it is sad that commerce has become almost more important than slowing down and staying still long enough to savor the moments of being connected. And yeah. that's, that's what I think we give up every time another store opens and every time this big mad rush, we're, we're stripping away that, that feeling of being connected to each other in a very just almost pure simplistic moment where it's just about love, it's about gratitude, it's about thanks. It so used I wanna, to be a whole day. Now I wanna, it's not. I want to ask you immediately about that then, because it kind of goes to where, I mean, I think Thanksgiving, honestly, is lovely. And and although it is not originally my tradition, my tradition is Christmas, being Catholic. But um, I'll celebrate it any time. But um, as you were just saying, that, people, even the next day, the gratitude seems to have gone. What is it that we could teach? I'm, I'm really curious at that. What is it that we could teach as adults to the younger generation to not do that, to kind of hang on and say, we only have a couple of days to be together and to encourage them to stay within the family fold like you do with the, with the decorations because probably... Your family loves to stay and do that, right? They, would, they, would they do. Eat. And, you know, my uh, oldest son is very serious about his girlfriend. And uh, and this year she will be joining us to help 
decorate and all these things that when people come into our family that become part of it. And, uh, and my son, you know, is a full-time college student, works, and even he, the day after Thanksgiving, hangs around the house. <laughs> and, uh, and we have our, you know, tradition of how we do this. We eat pizza. I mean, you know, all these silly things that, again, as the kids kind of all gravitate in and out, um, and the whole pizza thing, just nobody wanted leftovers. And it got late. And, you know, many, many, many years ago, I thought, oh, my gosh, everyone's hungry. I need to do something. So we called out for pizza. And mm-hmm. now it's part of the tradition of our family that we eat pizza for dinner, um, after we kind of, you know, are all done setting everything up. And it's an all-day affair to decorate and put the house together for Christmas. Of course. And I think it's sometimes you can want things so badly that you hang on too tight. So it is definitely, I see this now as a, as a parent, it's the fine line of inclusiveness but not smothering. It's the fine line of wanting to share and to spend time together. And, um, and in the quest of wanting those things, you can't be heavy handed about it. And I think it's also allowing them to bring in things that are important to them as well. But how, I mean, how would I say to a family that has for rambunctious teenagers to try to stay home. What What is it that we could do? Bruce or Lisa, feel free to Let answer. Me, a couple of things as far as, uh, one, as I kind of was thinking of a phrase like a, you know, a cause for a pause in the sense uh-huh. of getting people to simply pause to ask a couple of questions. And I think the younger generations, as far as looking at it, we're, we, we're a society of stuff, and we have way more stuff than we need in our society. So I think as Amen. we look at changing we look as far as looking at our needs versus our wants. What do we really need? And what, as far as the need, as far as, and that's a true soul need for me. I mean, I may think I need a new iPhone or an iPad where I really don't need it, but if that becomes a want, understanding what that really is, and therefore you prioritize what you really want out of the material things. Um, we get that quick gratification, but we generally see that it doesn't last long. So you try to socialize them into what is it that really matters to you at your core as far as your inner kind of like psychological or soul needs, and that's where you should invest your energy because this other stuff that you're doing really won't have the lasting value that you think it's going to have. You might have to talk and have those examples about that. The other thing that when I look at as far as what happens on that Friday, we really almost have like a four-day holiday weekend here. Because being on the Thursday, yes, we have Black Friday, but then a lot of families continue to see each other through that Saturday and Sunday. So there's that momentary break that we've kind of got this chaos in it. I wish we'd stop the chaos a little bit in that sense. But the other thing is, I think, extending the family rituals. This is how do we carry it out throughout the year. And there was a movement about in the last six months when I saw on TV, I don't watch a lot of TV, but it's looking at having people simply sit down and share a dinner together. Mm-hmm. Because that's where the bonding goes. When you don't have your teenagers running around and all their activities and your activities as an adult, and it's like, when are we spending time in the week with one another? So you need to almost embrace that on an ongoing basis. So it gives the reminder of, yes, we have this one day, but the one day really isn't what we should be about. So if we can do the other things, and then that's where I think it could extend into extending that kindness throughout the year because it almost becomes, therefore, a weekly, monthly, daily ritual where we find times where we can be kind. And I joke with my partner about this, or he looks at me and goes, I'm crazy, but it's those random acts of kindness that I really embrace from a human perspective as well as from a faith perspective that you just, it's a mindset. And once you make it part of your mindset, you're willing to do it longer or more. And I yeah. completely, I completely agree with that. And I also would add, you have to live. You know, kids are the greatest detectors of. Uh, I don't know. Um, Less than genuineness. Yes, yes. I'm, I was like, "Oh, you're on the radio, Lisa. Watch what you're about to say." <laughs> I was going to use a word, but I can't say that on the radio. Oh no, me too. I was like, "Oh yeah, okay." Uh, 
But anyway, they are the best detectors of it. And they know better than anyone if you're just, you know, it's, you're doing something because it's, you're supposed to. And, you know, my, my husband and I, we both grew up in families where you ate together every single solitary night. I mean, that mm-hmm. was, that was the norm. And we laugh because, you know, pretty much, you know, we all, you went out and you played. You rode your bike, and and the guiding light was everyone had to be home in time for dinner, and th- and that's just the way that was back in the day. Mm-hmm. And I, some of my fondest fondest memories are um, were at the table, and my and I come from a family of communicators, so dinner was the coming together. And my father and mother, I mean, you just didn't sit down and eat. You. And my brother sometimes would try and rush through so he could run back outside and play. Oh, no, he might have gobbled his dinner down, but he had to sit there until everyone was finished, and he had to participate. And um, and that was something that my husband and I did with our children. No matter what, we sat down. And as, And I used to think as corny as it was, it was the coming together and it kind of reminded you why you did all the things you did during the day. And it was to keep the idea of what it means for family. And, um, and what really brings this all home for me in such a way is when my son died Mm -hmm. and people comment all the time on the peacefulness that I have about myself. And I said, you know what makes, and I, and I am a very faith-driven woman, so that has a lot to do with it as well. But it is that I don't have the regrets because when I think about Michael and I think about the family and I think about who he was, nothing came before them. And we had that time. And I think so many people resent and get bitter because they have the regrets. And while by no means do I wish for anyone to have to live with the pain that we do, but when you have a horrible moment in time that is just, you splash everything up against it. So for us, I savor the smallest moments that for many people, they might think, yeah, whatever. But me, I look at that and I know we are not promised tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, horrible things happen to the best of families, to nice people. And, uh, and I don't lose sight of it. And I think if more people could slow down their lives long enough to remember why you work so hard. And I've never been a stuff kind of person. So I've always been more focused on the relationships. And um, and I will say at times that has saved my sanity in relationship to my son. I also think my mom lives with us. So we are a multi-generational family. And having that, you know, a three-generation home also taught my kids the patience and all the things that when you are disconnected from different generations, you you don't have access to it. You don't think about it. You don't develop the patience for the aging. And you don't realize what a source of uh, love, what a source of comfort, what a source of wisdom. And I think that helps. And I think that is one of the greatest disservices that's done to our youth is that they are disconnected from their elders in a way that no other generation has been. I want to add to that as far as looking at maybe we from our Western European roots or whatever, at least where mine come from as well, and looking at um, the sense of learning from immigrants. Because when I look at a lot of the 
immigrant cultures that have come into our country, the Hispanic culture, um, the ethnicities, the Italian cultures first coming in. There's this great sense of family. Mm-hmm. Um, oftentimes, the multi-generations that still live together, I joke with my students about Hispanic males are not supposed to leave the home until they're married. If they're 30 or 38, 40, doesn't matter. It's, that's the transition phase when you get married. So there's something about that's okay to keep people in the home where we have a tendency to ask people to leave. It's like, go start your own life. Mm-hmm. I'm like, why do we want to do that as far as they're, they're our children, they're who we love? What is this? What's wrong with sharing space and, and utilizing, therefore, the resources that we have within the country in a prudent manner? In that sense, but I think we could learn from some of the immigrants who come to this country in their recognition of their still strong family ties and their celebration of family that I think sometimes we, coming from a Western European perspective, forget. And I'll piggyback off of that. And even within that background, then when you look at the um, culture within this country regionally, like my mother is from Kentucky. And so when you have that, the southern aspect, my mom's family, they are, my grandmother lived with one of my aunts until she passed. My other, you know, this is how my mother's family, their grandmother lived with them. My mm-hmm. mother's family, they care for each other. They love each other in a way you my mother's family, when people ask me about it, and I always, you know, and I'm old enough, one of my favorite shows when I was a kid was The Waltons. Uh, that, was my, that is my mother's family. Mm, okay. That is my mother's family. And um, so for us, when my dad died, there was no question that my mom would be left on her own. I mean, you know, like she... she devoted her life to us. My mom was a stay-at-home mom. She watched all the grandkids so we all could do what we wanted to do career-wise. And um, we get asked all the time, all the time, if we're, because I have dark hair, dark eyes, and people always assume I'm Italian. And I laugh because I think with the last name Ford and Barry, no, I'm not Italian, but um, <laughs> we get asked. Are you Italian? Are you Mexican? Are you, because very much just what you said, they immediately think, well, their mother lives with them. They're, you know, <laughs> my brother lives down the street. And prior to us, my, our families combining, we lived down the street from my parents. And, uh, and I think, wow, what does this say about our culture? What does this say about California that it's an oddity that as a family, we look out for each other. Mm-hmm. And yet in my mom's family, this is the way they do it and do it generation after generation after generation. Lisa, Lisa and Bruce, I am so sorry to interrupt both of you. I wish the show was so much more longer, but we have <laughs> only a couple of seconds minutes left. left. I noticed that. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Is I look terrible too. So here goes. I thought it was amazing. I just want to pay, piggyback really quick on what you said, Lisa, because it touched me. Um, very quickly, I think when we have no material goods, we have literally everything to give. And I totally agree with you. It's about the little things in life. And it's what Bruce said, the spontaneous kindness that just yeah. comes at you like serendipity. And if you can live your life that way, which I think all three of us can, apparently, then if we can go out there into the world and spread that as much as we can to the younger generation, to our friends, to family, to strangers, then we're pretty lucky and blessed people to be able to do that. Yes, we are. I and agree. I thank you, Bruce. I thank you, Lisa. And you know what? I'm going to have you guys on again on another topic. <laughs> okay. We are Anytime. an amazing team. I think there are lots of things that we can talk about that would really interest our listeners. And I've noticed on my Facebook that there's more and more people starting to listen to this show. So it's really, really wonderful. And I will definitely have you guys back. 
Thank you again for joining us this week. Might Radio with Gabriella Von Ray can be heard every Friday at noon Eastern Time, 9 Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a great week, and until our next show, think of a random act of kindness that you can perform. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio 